Blog Talk Radio. We're here, God, because your promise has been fulfilled in us. We're here, God, because when we seek you, we find you. God, when we ask, we receive. When we knock on the door, you answer it. Your word is alive. Your word is alive today. It is truth. It is everything.
I'm a bird. 
Yeah. 
another edition of Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog, and I'll be your host tonight. And Sean Holmberg's out of the studio, just taking some time off with family, taking some time to rest. But he should be back around tomorrow night. If you need to call in, our call-in number is 619-638-8458. And the web address is www.prayerinternational.org. Feel free to leave your prayer request in our question, uh, our, our prayer request box. If you have any questions for us, uh, you can email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com and leave your prayer request there as well if you feel like it. So praise the Lord. Let's open up with a word of prayer. And then we're going to get into the word of God tonight. Uh, last night we were in Galatians Five and six, and tonight we're going to do three and four. All right, praise God. Well, Father, tonight we just give you all the glory, we give you all the honor and the praise, Lord, and we just turn this night, Lord, this show, this broadcast over to you, Father. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to praise your name, Lord, to worship. Come before you, Father, with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord. We're just thankful for your blessings. Father, we're thankful for what you are working in our lives, Lord. So, Father, help us to embrace this season with thankfulness, with gratitude, and just with our hearts and our hands lifted up to you, Father. Lord, we just pray for every person listening tonight that needs a touch from you, Father, that you would make yourself real, that you're present, that your glory, that your love would surround them. Those that are walking in confusion, those that are walking in disorder, Father, we just pray, Lord God, for peace. Those that have anxieties tonight, Father, we pray that you would lift the burden. Father, we just declare, Lord, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, there is peace. In your spirit, there's peace in the presence of the Lord. You said in your presence there's fullness of joy, Father. We know, Father, that joy can be our strength, that inner strength, even when everything around us is pressing, everything around us is pressing in and choking, stalling, and keeping us from your plans. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, alleviate those that need a lightness, those that need the load lifted. Give them the garment of praise, Father, for the spirit of heaviness. We just ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Listen, I want to do one more song. And just, instead of just singing the song, instead of just listening, make it your prayer. Just allow your heart, allow your spirit to come before the Lord. Focus and meditate on the Lord. And if you need peace, if you need joy, 
you need wisdom, just allow the Holy Spirit to saturate you, to touch you. See, there's a difference when you allow His presence to fill you, and then you begin to ask. Then you begin to read His Word. See, when the Holy Spirit is present, He can direct you. He can heal you. He can teach you. So just allow your heart to just touch with the Lord.
Alright, praise God, we're back So Galatians chapter 3 New Testament um, Basically Go Corinthians So Acts, Romans, Corinthians Galatians Alright, so Galatians chapter 3 Verse 1 Oh foolish Galatians Who has bewitched you That you should not obey the truth Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. What he's saying is this. Look, who turned you away from the truth? All right, who got your eyes focused somewhere else? He said, before your eyes were on Christ, and evidently Christ was set forth, you realize this crucifixion in your life. You realize this salvation. In your life But something Somewhere along the way Turned your eyes Away from Christ So Paul says Who has bewitched you? Who's cast their spell on you? Who's duped you? Verse 2 That's only what I learn of you Receive ye the spirit By the works of the law Or by the hearing of faith Are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit That you are now Made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? What is he saying here? He's saying, look, are you so foolish that you received Christ and his blood in your life? You received the sacrifice and you got filled with his Holy Spirit. Began a relationship with him. Then you thought you could figure it out in your own strength by putting yourself back under the law. Putting yourself under works of service. Putting yourself under your own plan rather than his by the Holy Spirit so he's charging these Christians to go back and and walk in faith receive God by the hearing of faith live their lives by faith in the Spirit verse 5 he therefore that ministered to you the Spirit and work its miracles among you. Do with it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. What he's saying is, this person that's performing miracles, is it because they keep the law? Or is it because they believe God? They put their faith in God. And do the, the miracles and the blessings and the things that God does in your life, is it because you're perfect and you do everything just right? Or is it because God is good and you put your belief and your faith in Him? Now, am I saying do whatever you want and then have faith in God? No. I think that only works for a season. Verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In these shall nations be blessed. In these shall all nations be blessed. To not just the nation of Israel, but all nations. And it was by faith. 
See, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him righteousness, says the Bible. Not in this chapter, but that's what it says. And they're making reference to Abraham. Why? Because Abraham had faith. Verse 6 says, Abraham, sorry, I said chapter earlier, I meant verse. Verse 6 says, even Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. They were talking about Abraham and his faith. See, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if you come to God, you got to believe that he is, the word says, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What does that mean? You have to be diligent about your seeking him. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So your reward is in your seeking first the kingdom, seeking first God, diligently seeking him. But before you even seek him, when you just come to him, you have to believe that he is who he says he is. You have to believe that his word is what it says it is. And believing isn't just repeatedly quoting scriptures. Believing isn't just saying, oh yeah, I believe. Believing is fully trusting, relying, putting your hope in, putting everything you've got into it until you can't anymore. Everything. See, God says, trust him. Don't just believe in the sense of, oh, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Passively believe. Even the demons believe and tremble. But they don't put their faith and their trust and their reliance upon God. They don't put their hope and their future and their everything on God. But they believe that God is. But see, that word believe is, hey, take him at his word. Trust him. Cling to him and hold fast to his word and his character and his nature. All right, so let's do seven again. Know, therefore, that they which are of faith are the same as the children of Abraham. All right, verse 10, we'll we'll jump back because we stopped at 9. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things, which are written in the book of the law, and to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So you're saying, look, it doesn't matter how hard you try to keep it, you're never going to be perfect. See, you don't make it into heaven based on your own works. You make it into heaven based on what Christ has done for you. And he paves the way for you to follow the Spirit of God. No man is justified by the law on the side of God. For it is evident that just shall live by faith. Verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but... The man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ 
has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What's he saying? Because of what Jesus did by his blood, you can receive him as Savior and Lord. You can also receive his Spirit into your life. And the promises and the blessings and everything that come along with it. But realize there's a cost to discipleship. There's a cost to following Jesus. Jesus said, if any man want to follow me, take up your cross and then follow me. See, we want, like I said last night, we want to be like Jesus. But we don't really want everything that goes along with it. Realizing that's what's producing the glory. That's what's producing the faith. That's what's producing our clinging to God, to our brokenness and our humility and our testing, which produces faith. And then the testing of our faith produces patience. And that patience has its perfect work in you. And we grow from faith to faith and glory to glory. It's a process. Some just process faster than others. All right, so. That the blessing of Abraham, verse 14, might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Fifteen, brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man doesn't know other addeth thereunto. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made, he saith not, and the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before in God in Christ the law which was 430 years after cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. What's he saying? Look, it doesn't matter how much you try to keep this law. It's not going to get you into heaven. Now, do you throw it out? Do you forget about it? Do you not keep God's holy word? Well, of course you do. If you follow after the Spirit, it's easy. It's when you follow after the flesh that you begin to do the things that God disapproves of. Verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then again the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all are under sin, and the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. 
So he's saying this. Basically, he's repeating a lot, just wording things different. But he's trying to drive this one fact into the hearts of these Christians. Okay. Righteousness does not come from the law. Righteousness comes by the blood of Jesus. See, in your flesh, in your disbelief, you're full of sin, cursed under the law, and unrighteous. But when you believe, and the Spirit of Christ comes in you, and your eyes are opened, and you encounter the word of truth, then God says you're righteous. You're healed. You're saved. You're free. Only to the degree that you believe in them. Only to the degree that you receive. It's one thing to believe Christ as Savior. It's another thing to receive Him into your life as Savior. It's a big difference. Verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What is it saying? Look, he's making a distinction. There's no exclusions. Everyone's included. Everyone's able to come to God. Now, will they? No. Not. Many are called, but few are chosen. Not everybody's going to come to God, even though the opportunity presents itself. But see, God wishes that none perish, but that all come to repentance. But he already knows there's going to be many that perish. It just it breaks his heart. All right, so that was chapter 3 of Galatians. And we're talking about your righteousness being of faith, your salvation being of faith, your healing comes through faith, your deliverance, everything you receive. See, the Bible says, with the heart man believes, with the mouth he confesses unto salvation, right? But everything in the kingdom works by the same principle. Everything you receive in the kingdom of God operates under the same principle. So whether it's your salvation, or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the receiving of gifts. Yeah, salvation's a gift. God distributes it when He desires. He knows when to turn the heart. And when to show up at the right time. When someone's in their moment, 
That's why a lot of times you may share Christ with people, and if it's not their moment, their hearts are so hard they won't receive it. And you could beat them upside down and backwards and do your best to convince them, but if their hearts are not there, they will not receive. But that's not your problem. See, your your job as a Christian is to declare the works of the Lord, to declare the glory of the Lord. And if God speaks to your heart and declares something specific for someone, as a Christian, you're supposed to declare the, the word of the Lord to people, whether that be through the Holy Bible or something prophetic, specific, personal for that person. But regardless, it's not your job to turn their heart. It's your job to declare. And it's God's job to turn their heart. So you sow the seed, but God gives the increase. Somebody may come along and water that seed later. It may be a process. All right, so we're going to break. It's about 10 after 11 Central Time. We're going to go into a worship break. Hallelujah. Worship time. I hear the voice. It's the voice of the one I love. He's calling my name. I hear you calling me, Jesus. I hear the voice. Voice of the one I love, he's calling my name. Can you hear him calling you? He's saying, Come up higher, hear the angels sing. Yeah, come up higher, my beloved. Come up higher. This world behind, you'll find me too. 
Give the Lord praise tonight. Alright, praise God, we're back Just running after the Lord And that's what we're talking about Running after Jesus Is that where you're at In the scheme of things Are you running after God Are you running after the things of the world Are you running after his plan for your life Are you running after your plan for your life you know, just the more you seek him, the more you're going to find him, like we were singing about earlier, worshiping earlier. You know, we play some of that music from Christ for the nations. Why? It's just anointed. You know, they've got a heart and a passion for the living God. There's something about being passionate towards God 
If you want to pursue God passionately, listen, you're going to get his presence. can't help but have the presence of the Lord if you pursue him wholeheartedly, passionately, in purity. Yeah. All right, so chapter 4 of Galatians. Chapter 4. You can go back our archives. Last night we did 5 and 6. Today we're doing 3 and 4. Tomorrow we'll probably do 1 and 2. Why are we doing it that way? I have no idea, but we are. So there you are. Okay, so chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant. Though he be Lord of all But is under tutors and governors Until the same time appointed of the father Even so when we were children We were in bondage under the elements We were in bondage under the elements of the world But when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son Made of a woman Made under the law to redeem them That were under the law That we might receive the adoption of sons And because you are sons or daughters, this word sons covers male and female. God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Allah, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How be it then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. All right, so let's back this up. Let's rewind. All right, we'll go back. About a third of the chapter What is what is he saying here He's saying look you're not a servant of God You're a child of God And as a child of God You've got an inheritance You're an heir through Christ Jesus And there's a time When even children have to have Tutors and teachers And people to tutor or govern Govern them Until they grow up and that's what he's saying. There's a time when the law is applied to your life. Why? Because it teaches you what God approves of and what God disapproves of. But at some point, as you begin to walk with the Lord, as you become one with God, you're just going to walk in the things that God approves of. And if not, then the judgment of God is stricter and harsher. You know, when a child is tried for a punishment, it's usually less severe than when an adult is trying. Not always, but most of the time. All right. So he's saying, look, Jesus came to redeem those that were under the curse, that you could be an adopted son. God sends forth his spirit in your heart. question is, do you have the spirit of Christ in your heart? That causes you to cry out to God as your father. That causes you to understand that God's your parent. 
that he's in control, that he's in charge. Do you have that spirit? Do you have that heart? Do you have that mindset? Is there something on the inside of you that pulls you to God in that capacity? Does your heart cry, Daddy? Daddy God, Abba Father. So the thing, therefore, you're no more a servant but a son. He's saying, how can when you were in the world, did you serve those idols as if they were gods, the things, that, the very things that brought you into bondage? And you know how it is when you have an addiction or some kind of compulsion in your life. Sometimes that becomes so important to you that you spend your time and your attention on it. More so than what you give God your time and attention to. What he's saying is, look, when you were under the law and you were serving these little gods when you were out there in the world, you were in bondage. He calls them beggarly elements. Now, why does he call them beggarly elements? Now, think about a beggar. If you're walking down the street, you see a beggar. And he's calling them beggarly elements. What he's saying is, look, these are the things that you need to put away. These are the things that are going to keep you down. These are the elements in life that are going to keep you from achieving and succeeding and bring you from a beggar to a believer. Yeah. So you got to go from begging to blessing. The only way you do that is by believing. By faith. All right, so here we go. And my temptation, here we go. Oh, we got to back up. Verse 11. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as you are. You have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Now, even Paul here is talking about a temptation or an issue in his flesh that he has, even when he came preaching. Now, it never actually defines that or says what that is. But his statement is, even when I came to you preaching, I had this temptation which was in my flesh. You despised me not, nor rejected me, but you received me as an angel of the Lord. Sometimes we need to realize, anytime you put any humanity into something, it's going to be human. We all have issues. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. See, when you're at the foot of the cross, everything's the same. And it doesn't matter. You could be like the the person that grew up in church your whole life and stayed in the bubble. And still, Jesus' blood is going to be the only thing that gets you into heaven. And you could be standing right next to somebody that murdered a family of four found repentance along the way and God decided to fit them into his plan somewhere down the line as they were working for the enemy God decided this person's pretty tenacious about what they do I think I'm going to turn their energy around and use it for my glory just like he did Paul Christian the person who wrote 
two-thirds of the New Testament that you believe was a murderer who was imprisoned and in jail, a convict, a felon. Yet you believe two-thirds of the New Testament that he wrote. And most people would say that's not a very good character witness. I don't know if we should take the writings of Paul and put them in God's holy book. After all, he was a felon. He was a convict. He was a murderer. He was a jailbird. But God chose. God chooses. God chose. Excuse me. God chose Paul from the foundations of the earth that he would bear much fruit. So it doesn't matter what turn or curve or issues, whatever happened in Paul's life, because you know what? If God declared over his life, hey, through you I will bear much fruit, guess what? It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what the state or the city or the country or the nation says against a person. What matters is what does God say about that person? What does God say about you? What does God say about me? That's the only thing that matters is thus saith the Lord. All right, so you know what? We're going to go into some worship. If you're tuning in, this is Prayer International Radio. We're just going to shift gears here for a moment and have some worship. Look at the way the flowers bloom for you. 
All right, praise God, we're back. And just picking up the rest of Galatians chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 4, with verse 16. It says, I am therefore become your enemy, because I tell you the truth, they zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always, and a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. What's he saying? Get zealous for Christ, not only when you're around other believers, but be zealous for Christ because of the work that he's doing in you. 
Be zealous for Christ because what he's doing on the inside of you. He says, my little children, verse 19, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. See, what he's saying is I'm going to labor, I'm going to travail, I'm going to pray, I'm going to work hard until I see Christ formed in you. And as a leader, as a spiritual leader, that, that should be your heart's desire if you're a leader and listening to this. If you have parents and you're a leader of your home, or maybe you're a husband leading your wife, maybe you're a mother leading your children, whatever the case is, labor and pray and declare the word of God over people's lives until you see Christ formed in them. It should be your desire. 20, I desire to be present with you now. I change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Tell me that Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise, which things were all an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai which gendereth to bondage, Do you understand that? The other ones by Jerusalem, which is free. See, you can either try to religiously get to God and strive in your flesh, or you can accept his sacrifice and walk in the freedom. Verse 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Let me just say, if you're a Christian and you don't understand what's going on with the Jews, you need to pray for Jewish believers. Pray for Jewish non-believers. Pray for Israel. Pray for Jerusalem. Why? God commanded it. And he said, Jerusalem is the mother of us all. Christ, the seed of promise, your Savior, if you're a Christian, was a Jew. The roots of your Christianity are Jewish. Begin to research. Begin to check it out. Verse 27 to 31, and we'll stop here. For it is written, Rejoice thou, barren woman. Break forth and cry that thou travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was a promise of promise, was our Excuse me, Isaac was our the children of promise. But as then he was born after the flesh persecuted him. And I'll get back to 27 in a minute. Explain. Verse 29, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him, that was born after the spirit, even so is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. What's this saying? 
saying this, you don't have to be born Jewish. You don't have to be born in a Christian home. You don't have to be born up under the law. All you have to do is have faith in Christ and come to God from wherever you're at. It's saying God has the ability to take someone barren and give them more children than the person that's got a husband, the person that's got the ability to have many kids. God's able to do that. So he's saying rejoice. And God says that. I believe for those of you that maybe you're barren, whether it be physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever the case is, trust God to begin to work in those situations. He is the God of the impossible. He makes all impossible things possible if you believe. Just trust Him. So that was chapter 4, verse 1 through 31, and we'll get into chapter 1 and 2 tomorrow. We're going to go ahead and break for some worship, and then we'll just see what happens next night. No. 
You gave 